Good morning and welcome everybody. This is Dr. T. Tavo DRC, pastor of the online DFW Leader Ministry Fellowship, where we're having gatherings for those who need this and want this as a resource for the Body of Christ community. I'm teaching this morning on our, our type of style we're representing for the Lord. And for the sake of community, we're teaching from the point of view in our doctrine, and I'm the apostle, a doctrine originator given by the Lord, and it is Crossbody Unity Book of Ephesians. And we're trying to model giving doctrine to displace any kind of accusation, racism, bias in ministry today, Christianity. Our goal is to have harmony, unity, and then divine appointment, global, local unity that's very multicultural and diverse. Even if you don't see me with many people, I represent the many, many mega thousands, even millions, who don't want to be near a religious system. They've been attacked, they've been jumped, they've been accused, they've been witch-watched, like myself. And as a one of God's prophets, who happens to be in a female earth suit, handcrafted by God for her mission, for this mission on earth, like everybody's assigned to an earth suit, a gender, a male, female, whatever, black, white, brown, as a gift from God. But it's also a test for you at times because how people react to that earth suit. Or it's a test to other people because how they are tested by God when you show up because he's looking at their hearts. Are they going to accuse you? Are they going to be biased, chauvinist, misogynist, racist, whatever? And it doesn't matter to the Lord if you are one political party male. You know, it's not about your political party in this. This is about hearing God, letting him tell you how to vote, who to vote for. I believe in flying. I'm, I represent maybe the mid-wing. We can fly either way based on issues. I go for life. All right. I believe in trying to have some dignity. Maybe it's a purple party. <laughs> Of a little red, a little blue, because I really am pro social justice being up front and not just being content with same old, same old, which is a lot of bias, even in the ministry field. I had never been around any of these things in my life growing up as a happy camper, a Southern Baptist pastor's daughter, but he was not a Bible thumper or racist. He was the opposite. He was servant leader. He'd just chat with everybody, be very amiable, kindly, serve, instruct, be a great dad, a great husband. He wasn't a chauvinist, and there was no law, legalism. In fact, he was pretty happy. He was a happy camper, mirthful, but thoughtful, wise person, very dignified. And so when I think of what we see, who we see, saying we are a minister, we are a Christian, it goes back to way long ago to that. We were out in the rural <clears throat> times where people had been raised in rural areas, but we were not rural. We were sent to the rural, so I was happy also, happier in more cosmopolitan city. But we are for everybody, and right now anybody of any culture around the world can get on their cell phone and want to invest in property out in what used to be the country. It used to be the hills, all right? And see, when we have encountered certain doctrines, because at age 24, 
following me, knowing the Lord, being a Jesus people type person, a servant leader, right before all these now famous charismatic prophetic moves were ever not even there. They were just starting word of faith, different ones. And so we would bump into the Holy Spirit and the Lord said, I want you to study my body, the different kinds of born again Christians that believe the Bible, that are true Christians, and there'll be different colors. There are some talking tongues, some and not. So I've been to Catholic, missionary Baptist, Methodist, you name it. A lot of charismatics, a lot of prophetic through the decades that have followed. And the Lord had said when I was 24, I want you to study my body because I'm going to have you build bridges of communication and understanding in the last days. Well, this, I guess, is the last days. So what I had found on the journey was a lot of good teaching, a lot of good respect, a lot of good wisdom, a lot of Holy Spirit, a lot of outpourings and revivals and movements in black and white. And I'd gone from Pennsylvania down to Florida in between Tulsa many times in 15 years in the mega capital of the world, Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. So because of my nature as a perceiver, seer, servant leader, calm, I didn't know that in my heart, God had planned a future deliverance ministry, a liberation ministry for Christian ministers. <laughs> Why? Because I was always raised liberated and not thinking, you know, women got to dull down. You got to, you know, all these things that are culturally in certain groups like really hostile, you know, you're, you're under us, you're in a lot of chauvinism and all the ruling and I wasn't raised by that, I was raised right, I was raised in chain of command. So there's a huge difference in different groups when you surf God's body about their view of authority, females, males, and government. This has been, I guess, the huge discovery of my life as a Christian minister. <laughs> I was not raised around bias, misogyny, gender bias. I was raised against racism. And I realized that a lot of people, especially because of media and the twisting and warping of who a Christian is right now, that Caucasians, all Christians are racists and all that stuff, that's not fun. But when I had been sent to the grassroots embedded for a generation, not knowing all what I was there for, except to study and be and learn, grow, I didn't realize I'd come across things that are biased, that are racist, that are accusing, and not even in the New Testament. So it made me really pursue the Lord and go back to my Bible roots, born-again roots that were not biased or religious or cultish. And I studied as my grandmother and my other grandmother and my mother and father and parents and aunt and uncle studied like noble Bereans to see, is this really in the Bible? Is this law, teaching of government, really in the New Testament? Is it really this crude, disrespect, demeaning behavior in certain biased groups, men and women? Is that representing the character and nature of Christ following? And why is America, starting in the 90s and 2000s, and then right before COVID, why was the church getting more critical, 
more friendly fire fellowships, uh, you know, you're backbiting and nobody talks to you. They just assume and presume all this ego stuff. And I saw TV media had affected a lot of us, you know, to really be careful. But then I also know that there is such a thing as the world, the flesh, and the devil, and winds of doctrine. I call them trends of doctrine, which I would see come through, and I acknowledge a lot of this is that. So as a detective, not knowing this, what I was going to be, <laughs> emotionally calm, very respectful, down-to-earth, easily entreated, really just sort of normal person representing the everyday person not trying to take anybody's turf not wanting not knowing that certain groups believe that i walk in in my gender outfit the earth suit of a human female that now they typecast me and they seize me as being their property i had never been about this so that makes me also teach from our point of view which is teaching mega to micro i know mega very well i know micra i'm happy you're probably there i know in between and i know servant leader like my dad just normal people i believe god needs now normal people that are real people that respect all kinds and are faith-filled and know the lord and can represent jesus like jesus did when he lived on the earth so i've had to go through god has wanted me to go through the process of being led to where I was affected, I found out the effect on Hebrews 10.25, fellowshipping, because I wanted to go to fellowship with the saints. But I found it impossible to go to certain groups because they were so catty and so dom dominating. You know, the Bible teaches in Revelation 2, one of the first books that is rebuked by the Lord, the seven churches, the churches that lost their first love. It was the book, the church of Ephesus, can you believe that? The Church of Ephesians is the most major mega book you ever in multicultural and amazing anointed book. But something happened in the um, that hard reality of the pre-Christian church that caused the leaders to get hard, to lose their first love. So by the time John, the apostle, dwelled upon the Isle of Patmos and got his revelatory word of revelation... He got the first letter of seven to the churches. Only one was not rebuked. The church of brotherly love, relationship, real respect for all kinds. E-O-R-R, -R, equal opportunity, real respect for everybody in love, Jesus Christ. All right. The first book is the church of Ephesus. What happened? It says they worked hard. They fought hard. They had a lot of battles. It wasn't easy but they lost their first love. They also incorporated in the first church teaching the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. It says the Lord hates the Nicolaitans. I really now understand what that means and why God hates the Nicolaitans. He doesn't hate the people. Nico is the root word Nike, which means to control. Laos means the people. So these were first church false teachings that got in to control God's people. And when I'd been out in definitely celebrity affected TV, you know, like celebrity followers that were like cults almost, everybody having their own, within every group, 
devout group of one leader, many of them too many times have their own Phariseeism of how you keep track and control over your group. It may differ, but a lot of these that I was there were tongue talkers every time. The Baptists were nice. The African Americans that I were, went to were nicer. So it is certain kinds that have gotten false teaching and controlling spirits, and also some are occult and psychic in the more prophetic groups. Not all. Not all. I say it not to accuse. I say it based on fruit and being accused and watching others and then a false representation that is not organic to who Jesus Christ's purpose was. His death, his burial, his resurrection and victory and getting more people into the family of God, accepting all colors, all styles without pet pre-qualifying your members to see if you'll approve if they'll be respected in the beloved accepted in the beloved Ephesians 616 I experienced that during the journey two points God's called me to study his body his leadership and the fruit I didn't know we'd find this out I wasn't looking for it I didn't want to know about it I wasn't raised around it this is charismatic so when I found it I thought God would tell me, he says, if you see it three times or more, it hurts people, the fruit hurts people, or my good name, my safe, trustworthy name, you teach on it. So I do. That's what I have. Because it's everywhere. I've been from Florida many times, and Dallas, and all sorts of places, and would run into, when I was in, a certain kind of prophetic group, and I call it Western European Levitical Patriarchism. It will duck and avoid, avoid speaking to anybody. It avoids relationship, respectful, it's not respectful. It avoids relationship, but it believes, it's superior. It believes it can spy you and read you, scan you, and determine who you really are. And see, that is a real big issue. Because it is nothing wrong. It's pretty, It's really healthy to scan somebody to discern their character. Because there are witches. But after all, listen. What is a witch? It's a human who's just been hurt. Probably hurt by their father. And they are been to me. Now they want power, but they've gone to the wrong place. Because they can't trust the local Christian. <laughs> That's really it. So it doesn't bother me. <laughs> Christian, you got a work to do. So when I go in there and I, as a prophet, apostle, realize I'm being scanned, not just once or twice, but the frown of accusation accompanies it, but they won't speak. And I watch. I'm thinking, you know, it looks like that spirit. I have a deliverance ministry years ago, 20 years ago, an apostle who ministered and cast out devils on the Dominican Republic Haiti type ministry he was my editor for my television ministry in Virginia and he would say Tavo never be afraid if a demon starts to manifest and I wasn't raised around like that so I listened I went whoa and he said never be afraid if a demon starts to manifest it's just a sign it's ready to come out so I thought well that sounds pretty healthy <laughs> alright well um so when this thing would flare up this accuser, this diseased, demonic, conscious doctrine, false teaching, flares up if I walk in. 
uh, the Lord had also told me, if you see something three times, you are to address it, which I do. But he says, do not take that personally. Take it as a prophet. If I allow you to run into something that unpleasant, they choose to do that. That is what I am seeing a lot more of. It really needs to be addressed. So on behalf of the innocent, the naive, the kind, the people who are in that culture and don't know they're doing it, I address it. That's what we're doing. This ties in with the similar groups, these same groups, all white. Surely they're black and brown, but I was sent to see my own you know, culture who would racially profile another person their color <laughs> by type by energy because they have no they have false teaching they have no relationship love they lost their first love otherwise they'd respect people you know i go into uh, their ornery so i would walk into a baptist church white baptist black Baptist, and they'd be friendly they'd be high if i go to african-american spirit filled church man they love me because they get me if i go to most pentecostals they have the spirit of might and power and if they're pure-hearted they like me because they're not reading me by my typecast or gender or look and that is so refreshing and healthy so where I go and attend now is not God. Where I fellowship now, I do not feel that or I would not go there. That is, I want friendly, down-to-earth, servant leaders. Everybody's equal. No big eyes, no elite, no big, you know, Phariseeism, none of that. Otherwise, I leave. You know what I mean? So we're trying to train the future church. This is for the future church. Let's get the good out of all the good qualities of all these kind of groups. Uh few weeks ago two or three months ago the Lord said every he told me every move of God is just a rough draft of the next move of God and I thought that sounds fine that will help people understand we are not the big wigs the big shots that we think we are because we got this paving away of a new move and see I I'm not from that culture but I've been in it when new moves have happened and I, I looked at it, I went whoa where are we going off in this? God didn't... I have to look at my Bible. So the bottom line is, when I read, when I would see these doctrines that accuse people, that were unjust, that won't relate, that sins by, I wrote, Ode to Whelp as a result, after meeting many people, also accused just... And they were gentle people, a lot of them, around the United States, mostly all white, mostly all white women, and mostly and here and there a rare man gentle man so I thought what is this it's almost like a bully spirit it's almost like a it is lawless because it does not submit to God's whole counsel if you think somebody's off and it's your business you're to Matthew 18 15 16 relate to somebody confront them and set them down or instruct them politely respectfully they don't submit to God's whole counsel in humble meek Galatians 6 1 which says if somebody's in sin and you think it is true then you are to officially make a one-to-one -one appointment relationship respect them if your ministry and set you know tell them what's right correct them I've never had I've never known one of these same style ever in all my decades of ministry and experience ever love and respect me as a pe person who happens to be a female or anybody. 
They never relate or want to know my theology, who I am, or my character. Even Paul, who's my mentor, Apostle Paul, who writes apostle in lower case servant leader terms, which I believe when I say apostle, prophet, I think lower servant leader, anybody could be able to talk, and he should, uh, he should be able to relate to them, you know, just down to earth people. That's what I believe. That's where we're teaching this for the future church. So I'm thinking, well, um, a lot of the fads and winds of doctrine come down, I hate to say it, from Pentecostals back under the law and the old-timey day back in the hill country, I believe. It's got to be. I've traced this whelp, Western European Levitical Patriarchism, anti-misogynist, you know, sort of Eli Templi priesthood, uh, bigotry and lack of love hardness, false teaching to the pilgrims who were white, Western European Levitical patriarchs, because they were not all off, but within their crowd, within the crowd of the good, healthy, wonderful founders of America, we come with a remnant, a bad remnant, a bad poor me remnant, who would find fault with women. And they would read people with vibes it was called spectral evidence, and they had the Salem witch trials. This is the same thing, this false scanning and then talking about you or talking about me and spreading rumors, keeping witch lists. I found when I spoke in Florida and Tampa many times, they have witch lists down there, and I believe I could tell you who, what group has it on the <laughs> certain ones. Because certain ones that have that fault-fying superiority that won't speak, that are the biggest about being submitted, but never are submitted to God's whole counsel, ironically, have lost their first love, are either in Florida, out of one group, main group, that spread around the nation, or maybe some in Missouri, that spread around a denomination that's all mostly white. And so, as a result, I didn't know I'd know this, but I believe a lot of it also from the slave master, thorny, cruel roots of the tribe of Levi, you know, the slave master of the old deep south. It reminds me the gentlemen are over everybody, the old Jezebel lore. So all that has been what I'm teaching on to instruct for the future church. Let's keep the good, what's good out of every move. This They're only a rough draft for now. We're only a rough draft unless Jesus comes. So let's do our best. Let's do it well. When we look at the New England patriarchs, who were the pilgrims that came over in Massachusetts, and some of them, not all, we don't want to typecast or stereotype, but some of the group were off in their theology wrong and practiced false discernment, false authority as leaders, and they also had a misogynist or demonic spirit, something up there, because they were angry, maybe they were rivalry, jealous, but just hated women, hated their mother. Anyway, they would only attack women and say where they were witches. And they would go to court and present spectral evidence. you got to Google that. That's amazing. It's shocking. The evidence they submitted was not real evidence. They never saw anybody casting a spell. They didn't have any proof of any, but they had vibes. Oh, I dreamed. I suspected. I I, saw, I was troubled when I saw Sister Mary over there. So that same cultish 
nightmare, suspicious of women, females, white women, and white culture doing it, certain ones, not all. These are not Baptists. <laughs> They're not most people. But that huge culture, I believe, is the source of shepherding whelp in our nation that goes down that diseased doctrine that makes friendly fire fellowships and suspicious relationship control, character assassination, produces the Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5, commanded by Paul from such turn away fellowship. If they are, it is perilous. In the last days, that scripture says by Paul that it will be perilous times. Men, humans, and women will be <clears throat> lovers of themselves, accusers, boasters, all sorts of things, betrayers. I never thought growing up, I never got a handle on it. I could not have imagined it would pertain to real Christians. <laughs> it does. So in 2007, God gave me a word of warning for the nation. This is way before COVID, but I'd seen it starting in the 90s when the Lord sent me to study the prophetic movements. I, I started myself getting on the blacklist, ended up writing and meeting many people. And as a person who's very easily entreated. That's why I teach James 317 respect because so many of these are not respectful and their people after them do the same in the cult type ministers. That we're doing correction. In the same scripture passage of 2 Timothy 3 we have the friendly fire fellowship, perverted fellowship not a family but a competition or a dark emotional brewing hostile intrigues <laughs> unsafe bastion all right it's in the same scripture ironically the same long passage or chapter chapter 3 of second timothy as the instruction about the bible and it says this is my foundational that happens to be that scripture was the first back in 1987 when i started public ministry god gave me a picture of the bible open to second timothy 3 16 and 17. so i looked at it it said that the bible is the inspired word of god which is profitable to for instruction for doctrine for teaching, correction, and reproving, so that the man and woman of God, the human of God, will be thoroughly furnished. And look around. Are we is this thoroughly furnished? No. All right. So ironically, the friendly fire fellowship, the untrustworthy command. Now see a lot of the those kinds that are religious, thorny and accuser, you know, the bias kinds. They have a huge they've set up like this altar and enthrone pet doctrines, revile doctrines. One of them is submission. They look at you, they won't talk, they don't want to know who you really are, but their spirit, you know that elite spirit, ugly spirit, they're not submitted. They choose to do that. A lot of people. In Virginia alone, I had met 30 people I knew I was. It was just like, but see, the Bible says in the last days there's going to be a falling away and so a lot of these people who accuse a lot of christians think oh yeah it's not our fault you know it's their fault they're just bad they're just you know we're we're victims they're just bad they don't go to church now because they're just unholy and not saintly like we are when i was out in the field on my mission on my duty to study the body of christ i found like this is not just a falling away this is a 
driving them away with critical, you can't trust these friendly fire fellowships. You don't know if your back's being bitten. You're on the witch list because they pass it around the nation. They never, it's character assassination time and time again. And see, I'm the opposite. If I have a bone to pick, I love you. I respect you. I submit to God's whole Bible, the Holy Bible, and I'll make a phone call, make an appointment, and and inform you, you know, and, and confront you lovingly, respectfully. It's my duty as a Christian, a mature Christian. So when I found out the hard way, and this is the hard way, it's cost me my life, really, in a, in a lot of ways, uh, I know that we're only here for a short time, and therefore the grace of God could have gone. But I want to, for the new move of God, I want to get all the fellowships defragged. And for the sake of the future church, the women, the men, the children that are not wanting to go because they don't feel safe to the friendly of our fellowships, the accuser of the sister and brother and mother and leaderin, we're trying to repackage the whole deal. In the groups that teach submission, we're going to keep watch to see who's not in a church, who's church hopping. You know, the scale of false doctrine is the giveaway. Minding everybody's business, thinking they own them. The slave, whatever, controlling spirit, false teaching. I saw when I was in, in 1998, I had never heard the word church hopper. I'd been in, because I had my own ministry I was invited to a lot of pastors' gatherings to pray for denominational and racial repentance for revival back then in Virginia. After one meeting in 98, I'll never forget it. I was standing waiting to go home. It was over and I happened to be there. I wasn't eavesdropping. It was plain. They were allowed to speak. Two of the local tongue-talking pastors were there. And I heard one say to the other and they said, I saw your sheep in my church the other day. Your, I saw your sheep in my church the other day. And the other one said, yes, they're church hoppers. And I went, whoa, do these people think they're God? They own these people? That was, my, that was the first time. Man, it is everywhere. It's a nightmare. Because if you get your name, that you you know this Phariseeism, this accuser, this unjust accuser, it's it, it, it insinuates you're evil. It insinuates that you are not to be trusted. It puts you on their blacklist, their blackball. It it ruins people and hurts people, but it frustrates the real person, the true Christian, because you know you're being accused unjustly, and it's so rude. And it takes your focus off of pleasing the Lord. You have to get healed. You have to figure out what to do. It's an emotional, wearing, spiritual attack. It is very, very, uh, people go through that. Because, see, as a Christian who's a person, doesn't matter my color. I'm, I live my life from the inside out. I try to see no color. I try to just get in with the Lord. All right. But I will say certain groups, not black they don't get whatever this spirit inside me is, the resurrection revival spirit. They do not want it because they cannot get past my earth suit, and that is bias. So we train them. It's ignorance. It's clueless. I believe I represent black people in this, too, because they must feel this worse than I do, you know, if they get that weirdness in a Christian ministry. 
So what I realized was analyzing their doctrine, I also analyzed their style, their... If I got racially profiled, I thought, I'm going to study who does this. If I don't feel it in that group, that group, that group, that group, I'll know which groups I do. So I noticed they weren't black or brown, international. They, they were white. And they were trying to be pure-hearted, but they had this overseer control, and it was like a religious spirit. It was shepherding, but it was they were white, usually red state, not hardly any black people in the group. No women see Jezebels all the time and thrown the doctrine, country law doctrine of old-timey eons male misogyny. So I just went to my Bible, thought of my great dad, all the healthy men, because I really respect men. We need good men. I know so many good men not under the law that are real Christians. I thought, wow, this is a warp, but it's guarding my turf. It guards God's Holy Spirit wells. I can't get near it because I get a character. I get the vibe sets them off. <laughs> so I just thought, let's just uh, teach prophecy from a book of Ephesians that you don't have to speak in tongues, you can speak in tongues, but I'm going to defrag and de-enthrone, disenthrone Jezebel, which I have. When I found out by my studies of 1 Timothy 16, Jezebel, and Revelation 2, Church of Thyatira, Jezebel, it says to the leaders, which would mean them, if they see a Jezebel, it says to the leaders, why do you tolerate the controlling, dominating Jezebel, who happened to be a woman back in the day, and the men were the, all the leaders back in the day in the first church? Why do you tolerate her instead of going over in Matthew eighteen fifteen? Are you too chicken to stand up to her, to find out all about her and set her down? Are you too weak, too pitiful? To Galatians 6 1, Paul had to teach this. So, because of all this hypocrisy, all this weird standing and guarding of turf, which I believe if they stand guard over their turf and they white witch watch or black witch watch, which I don't think black people ever do that, they have more might. All right, I believe it's a sign it's mammon centric. Who came after Jesus and manifested when Jesus? appeared the controlling cult of the pharisees the new traditions of man that make god's holy spirit null and void of jesus day the new era so if i but god's mercy i didn't it's by god's grace i know this if i walk in to a group that's got that spirit that off spirit and it and it starts to try to posture and won't speak and i get scanned 20 times won't relate, I get typecast, these are not brown, these are not black, these are not natural people, they're not real Christians, they have a need to protect their turf, I believe, to keep their income going, it's a mammon-centric thing. Also, it is an elite thing, and that is why I've taught a message many times lately, and been starting in Dallas before that way long, I taught a word of the Lord he gave me. 
He gave me many scriptures, too many to name now, but one of them was Isaiah. The first ten chapters of Isaiah, where it says that the little g-gods, that God's leaders were blocking his Holy Spirit move in the nation. Verse 10, chapter 10 of 27 says, God's leaders are blocking my Holy Spirit yoke-breaking anointing, which would make their necks so fat that no Assyrian fierce nation could take them over and wipe them out. And then the sins of God's elders and leaders, including the priests, were mentioned in the first three chapters. The sin of little g-gods, false teaching, and vanity. They were impure. Well, besides that, those things bound together to dull down the mammon consciousness and the whatever posturing and pomp of their day, their ceremony. And so they were off, and then they started to make poor decisions based on their false perceptions. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe! To these. Woe to you who call evil good, good evil. So when I had been through the gamut, an uphill battle to try to get in with my Holy Spirit friend and worship and find proper authority that was not in chaos or demeaning, I would go trusting, being open-minded as their friend. But then that spirit, the victimization of them, you know, their victim spirit would rise up and it would just a caught and as a prophet a seer i can feel it man it is so intrusive it is so egregious it is so unholy it is so attacking just for showing up and sitting there calmly in james 317 that represents the wisdom of god i teach now assess people please leader don't accuse your new visitor. Don't be superstar and imagine all this stuff and have fantasy that you're so hot that everybody's going to come take you over. Listen, that is in the that is a huge deal in America. I've been in my middle income. It's huge. It's not just it's many people. I've seen this. So if I speak to it, I'm addressing it to deliver it from itself. It's chosen special seer self. I'm chosen to rise up and stand up and not and confront it because it is a Queen Jezebel, an immature one. It is a Queen Jezebel spirit, and I'm the head leader. It tries to block my move of God. It has blocked it. I wasn't didn't know what I was dealing with. And so as the head leader in Church of Tarathara style, I've just got to rise up and man up and human up and say, you know what, I'm addressing it. I'm not gonna be controlled, and I'm not. <laughs> Because it is a, a party spirit, a club spirit, a cult spirit, and even occult and self-righteous. Right. So we want for the future church pure authority, trustworthy, not legalistic, not showcasing one persona, not having everybody bowing and scraping to the head cult member. No, <laughs> you know, you want people, individuals, you want them to hear God. They're responsible to hear God for themselves in case the head leader is wrong. Even Apostle Paul said a couple of things. He said, I'm proud of you, noble Berean Jews. You pick apart my doctrine. They picked up all Paul's teaching to see if it really was in the Bible. That's the way to go. You can do it with mine anytime. That's fine. All right. Every human is fallible. Apostle Paul said, 
work out your own salvation. That's part of it. Not taking notes, bowing and scraping and thinking, oh yeah, I can depend upon the prophet, the pastor, the apostle. I don't have to do my own inner work or think and see if it's really in the book. No, that's how they're being led. That's really bad. Pretty bad. Another thing with Apostle Paul, he said, no, it was about relationships. Not just Ephesians 4, a whole book, chapter about relationships, priorities in the church, mega and micro. But Paul said, know me, know my lifestyle, know my doctrine. It involves checking out a leader to see if they really are on the right. I mean, it's in the Bible, Paul said. One more thing, my P.S. with Apostle Paul, which is our ministry. Paul said, yes, legalists, yes, he did say, command by Paul. Not looking like that, not acting with a frown of false scowls of doctrine. But he said, hey, don't forsake fellowshipping with the saints as some have. Command. But he doesn't mean it legalistically that somebody can accuse you and needs to accuse you to browbeat you to go, whip you down, <laughs> make you feel guilty. That's what goes on in America all these years. It has. Because of Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, common doctrine, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father, is all are the only real criteria a true Christian has to believe and obey to be a real Christian. The rest, you got to do it to please God. He'll hold us all accountable. We're not being PC, but we're saying, I've seen the work of the devil of accusation in ministry too long, making people shamed and gossiped about and victims, you know, like they're, they're just evil. They're evil sinners because they don't go to church. And I am, I'm not going to be that way. That is not the Bible. They've never read Jesus. So relationship theology reads how would Jesus act and react in all these situations would he need to be pleased bowed down to scraped over honored all this stuff would he be occult would he look for witches so my criteria is to teach so you will thought provoke and think out how we're all teaching so the bottom line is if a stranger your mother anybody else is a Christian all right, comes around and you're not sure of them. You want to note how much if they represent James 3.17 in their relationships. Are they pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit without partiality and without hypocrisy? And then are you? <laughs> you too. <laughs> we'll watch you. All right. That is a criteria for leadership. Elders, ladies, gentlemen, mean people, nice people, strangers. No more victim, poor me, pity me, us against them, paranoia in the church, in the bodies of Christ. This is bad. It's really bad. And it's so many groups. That's why I teach. All right. Paul also said to me, who I'm not under the law, when women's liberation came on the scene years and years ago when I was younger, I didn't need to be liberated because I thought, I don't feel bound. I don't feel like a victim. I don't feel like, I mean, my dad said, do whatever God says. Please God and have chain of command if you're married and 
Ephesians 5, 21 and 22. It isn't like a big deal. However, in the last 15 years going to Dallas, I see why a lot of people need to fight for justice. They're not victims. They have been, a, they have really been through it with misogyny and chauvinism and little woman and using and victim mentality of misogyny. It's really been bad. It got me so fired up to teach against bias. Two things. If I was never around misogyny, disrespect, demeaning, typecasting, gender bias in my life till Dallas in Christian ministry tongue-talking, it only made me think, wow, I better teach on it. Therefore, the grace of God go I. But it also taught me that, wow, if it's that bad, white on white doing it, what are they, these same people doing to demean black people? And I really think of black people every time that I represent. There's something, because I do relate to African energy, I've always had a passion for deep injustice for the black human. I've never had a racist bone in my body. I've spoken out all my life, taken participation in gatherings and healings of repentance. My mother and I, uh, my mother and I went to a, some meeting in Virginia about 30, 40 years ago, and we repented for anybody in the family who had owned slaves, that type of thing, humbling ourselves and repenting. So I have always taken up for the cause. So when I go into certain these groups and they flare up, and it's demeaning. It's antichrist. It is antichrist and unjust. And it's, and I'm no victim. I'm just a seer watching. I'm a student for the body of Christ for Jesus' name. I'm a victor. But when I do it, I think I'm sent not to be taking it personally. I'm sent as a prophet to see what God sees. It is that bit. It is that dangerous for America. It is that gender bias, racial. When I was in Dallas and I had gone, long story short, I tried to find fellowship when I first got there and I went to a famous revivalist my age. And I went to my his church to see, you know, paid money to the gas, long, hot summers to drive 45 minutes to go to the church. Well, he wasn't there. And all the people prophesied over me, you know, during worship. And they said, oh, God has sent you here with a word of the Lord for all the leaders in the area. And I went, yes, yes, that's right, because I knew that. So the next week I go back and this turns out to be a whelp, a white whelp, middle-aged white whelp. So I walk up to say hello, because they were so nice to me the first time. And I thought, you know, I'll just say hello, introduce myself as a leader who's just new in town, a peer leader, co-laborer. So I walked over and all of a sudden it went... That deer in the headlights, you know, like, ew, I've just seen a harlot. I've just seen a Jezebel. I've just seen someone evil, I went, promiscuous, or, you know, something horrible, hellish, degrading to somebody living a pure life. All right, a new person. This, he was one of the kind of wealth that come through Missouri, that denomination. I found that denomination has the most deer in the headlight stares. <laughs> if they've ever been through that group, that group, very white group, that will flare up. So I told, I had a couple who he was, they were both black and they were, he was a Pentecostal bishop. 
And so I do, I guess I have a, I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm not a Baptist. I'm a, not a charismatic. I'm definitely not a charismatic since 2012, but I'm always crossed by the unity. That's our kind. Book of Ephesians 4. Speak in tongues. Yes. No, speak in tongues. I believe in the Holy Spirit, though. But I must have a certain diverse energy that these people can't handle. So I told the black bishop and his wife, I said, you know, this is what happened. I just walk in. All I am is quiet, t shy almost. And I just want to say hi, because I've been in many churches for many years. And I greet the pastor. I am planning a work as senior leader, mature, pure-hearted. So I went up and I said, and he stared, that horrible look, that look of false doctrine accusation, the witch watching stare. So when I told the black bishop this, it's very de demeaning. I'm saying it because I don't feel personally demeaned. I feel I just note it for the nation. You do that. <laughs> you accuse people that are strangers in your fellowships. That's why I'm saying it. I don't take it personally. I think, wow, that is so bad. It's not Baptist. It's not black. So I told the black Pentecostal bishop, and he said, you know what? I went to that church, and he did that to me, too. <laughs> See, I thought I represent, could represent a lot of black people because they have an energy. Maybe it's more might, power, more, more tribal. I don't know, but I am tribal. I really am. I am very informal and I relationship oriented. You have to train certain groups. There are, yes, you can have a King Solomon type of church feel, more structured, more orderly, whatever denominational or not. You can have a King Solomon style or equally valid, you can have a Mother Teresa style, which can be mega or micro, and I'm more Mother Teresa. I am not a legalist. So I was sent on my mission to discover and encounter what I call the wise, the all-wise whelp legalism and whelm the whelm are the gender of the matriarchs i'm not a matriarch i am a maven i know mavens are connoisseurs i'm a maven of apostolic theology for the lord but i am not a matriarch or because and my daddy went a patriarch i am not a legalist or a dominator i have had to fight being dominated and so i know how to rise up and confront in a loving fashion to train people, don't be controllers and don't let yourself be controlled is part of this whole mission in our country. It really is. There is to be no slaves and masters in ministry. I do not know how many through the years we've encountered, and they can be black too, many black ones that do this. You can find too many people that believe that once you set foot on our property, this false teaching of governmental gone awry, not in the New Testament. Now you're ours. We're watching you to see if you behave. We're what we won't relate, but we'll study and stare you down and call you a church hopper. We'll call you a piece of chattel. We'll call you a, you know, weak-willed, easily used gullible female. We'll stereotype you and say, yeah, she's a pink-wearing little woman to me. I don't wear pink. I'm sorry. That was down. That was horrible to think I got to go fit and to be diminished to wear pink 
by these stereotype in the deep south. Pink is big. All women, pink. No, I do not wear pink. I go to blue and dust maybe on a rare once every so often I can find something that I would like with fuchsia dusty rose maybe but I don't think pink please I'm not I feel it's like Barbie I feel it's like keeping people diminished and dulled down and easily controlled and managed I think thinking pink is like it's out. I think blue and yellow. Sunny, happy yellow. I really do. That's what I normally think. I never think pink. So I had to, you know, I just was not. It's one way of, oh, let's dismiss the female. They're too stupid. That's really what I think. I think it's like, oh, let's keep them objects and dismiss them. Easily dismiss. Sorry, I really do think that. Now, if you like pink, genuinely like it, go for it, sister. Go for it. But I do not feel the call to pink. I really don't. I'm sorry. If I wear it one day, it will be a shock. But I'll do it. But not because I have to. Because I really want to. <laughs> I'm not a pink person. So to me, my biggest call is, wow, stereotyping is gone in this future. In the future, we do not. Everyone is a human being, believer, Christian, never going to be a Christian, black, white, faith, speaking in tongues, not Pentecostal, Baptist, Coptic, Christian, whomever, they're all equal. And they're all made in the image of God, fearfully and wonderfully made, whether they own a high-tech company or not, whether they're sweeping the streets, living on the streets or not, they are called equally by God and each one is unique. Each one has a backstory. If I go to a barista fellowship, which I went to more than I did any church in Dallas, I formed the because it's so rancid. It was so bad. I couldn't feel any fear of the Lord and also no love, no love. So I made me really respect why people don't go to church and respect the Lord even more and then meeting people who had a different faith or belief or even lifestyle because I thought no wonder they're not they're turned off by Jesus I would be if I'd never met Jesus either down here in the deep deep south I would never have wanted to know Jesus or go to church I would never maybe have been saved from what I saw as the misrepresentation of Christ I really it was awful so I'm not a hail fellow well met. Let's go in to make the next more money appointment. You know, I'm not really like that. I'm sorry. So I see everyone as valuable. So when I'd meet people as I'm on the grassroots turf and I like to be with real people out in the, you know, front lines missionary, I like it. So mine is, I would think, man, if I'm seeing this tough, hard grassroots turf of Christians Wow, Bible-quoting Christians, and I don't feel safe or respected. What about the people that are black? What are the people that are other faiths, Hindu? What about the liberals? What about the gay people? I really felt for them, and when I would meet them, a lot of them, a lot of them were out there, and it was a huge area, more than here. 
people transitioning all the time from one gender to the next. That was a big one, in the, right? In the young crowd, I went, "Whoa! Keep your eye open! Woo! It's head spinning. All the transitioning going on. Whoa! Whoa! Whoa!" So, all I did was saying there is an issue and a huge backstory. I don't want to kill them and hurt them any more than they've already been hurt. And that is why I really respected, and I still respect, and never demean, I never feel superior, I try, you know, I listen and think these people are valid humans. If it was a witch, which I did meet pagans and tarot card readers, who were quite raised by Christians, <laughs> who were abused by Christian parents, and now we're still seeking, but the wrong place. My heart goes out to the lost church. I call it the lost church. And I'm probably practically there. I'm really probably one of the leaders that didn't want to stay in that, those moves, the Holy Spirit moves, the Spirit-filled moves, because it was too tough. So we got a lot of good stuff that's healthy. And mine is to train people equal opportunity, real respect for the office of every human made in God's image, whether they never go to church, whether they do. Mine is to come against the law. Paul gives you three commands about gatherings. He says, do not forsake fellowshipping with the saints. Hebrews 10, 25, as some have. But he also says to escape clauses. He says, in the last days, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, there'll be certain groups, even pastors and gathering, clusters of Christians, ministers, that will be lovers of themselves, boasters, accusers, betrayers, all these things from such turn away. It's your escape clause, a command by Paul equal. The third one is a 1 Timothy 6, 5, if they say, they accuse you that you are not blessed because you have no money, from such turn away three Pauline commands we need to level this out about Hebrews 2 and 25 so I really learned and see part of my teaching now is you gotta really know your doctrine they're skilled at getting their way they're skilled and they're righteous we know our doctrine we are right our way or the highway fascism there's a lot of it in Christian ministry I didn't realize that because I wasn't right. So when I was outfoxed and out, you know, manipulated using scripture, when I first got to Dallas for a while, I was like, oh, I'm not used to this because in Virginia, if they said they were a Christian at the grassroots or a minister, they meant it. They were true. I never doubted that this person, it person is a real Christian, black or white not famous but when I was out there in the mixture and the who knows what Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde ministry certain groups that's what pulled me back I thought wow this is not just a falling away this is a driving away and a fear of the Lord remnant Holy Ghost remnant running away pleasing God by from such turning away and I did so that's why we teach this strongly we are for you we are for you to go to God and hear what he really has to say for you and what I say or anybody else. We are here for you to go to point you to the New Testament, not under the law, that you have the freedom 
to hear God. You're accountable for everything. We're not mincing words. We're not PC politically correct. But we're saying it is so treacherous and tragic now in this day that you've got, and there's candy, so much candy. You've got to go to God, read it for yourself. If I were you, especially a Pentecostal, anybody that speaks in the unknown prayer language, I would say I would like for you to get your Bible out. Go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read when Jesus was alive in ministry, in real life, with his mother Mary, with the saints and the aints, all kinds. And I would like for you to read Jesus' actions, his relationships, how he acted and reacted in every single relationship, high estate, low estate, little children, those who had died, you know, uh, the weeping women of Lazarus sisters, the fallen woman, Mary Magdalene, the centurion, the de roving demoniac of the garden, every single relationship. And then all we do is act like Jesus, act and react like Jesus. And that is the teaching of this ministry. For the future church. It is Ephesians 4. You can go to any church. You should go to where God tells you to go. I'm here like a Pauline outpost as a resource, as one that can be part of the, anybody's, you know, talk as a community friend and talk theology, speak, give you doctrinal iron sharpens iron, help you with your theology, even do worship and have fun. I like to have fun. I really do. I just had no clue that it would be that bad at this time period in history when Jesus has so many people that are suffering and lost and can't figure out who Jesus is to this day. And they think, why? What is ministry? So over at Teammate University and everything I'm doing is really to say, let's stir up thought, provoke thought, even anger in the Christian. Because I want to, part of the word meaning reproof, which is my original call, 2 Timothy 6, 3, 16, 17, the word reprove, there's also correct. The word reprove in one of the definitions I found online 15 years ago or so in Dallas, 12 years ago, whatever, on the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, reproof can mean tick off. So I'm intentionally being forthright to stir up thought and tick off to, because it's healthy to re-examine doctrines. One thing I find that I really have lost my ability to trust, uh, basic certain styles of doctrine with certain false teaching in it, most likely the gossiping witch watchers. I find it really difficult to trust because you're so un... You don't value people. You don't value the respect of the ordinary person. I really find it difficult to think that I'm being engaged in like spectral evidence. I'm being scanned and diminished and devalued and nobody even wants to know me as a human being, as a person, as a fellow Christian who takes up her cross daily. I've had too much character assassination, too much vilification, too much uh, where it was enough to provoke, because I noticed it in so many people, not personally, but prophetically, because it interferes. It's the Alexander. These kind of groups have been the Alexander Coppersmith 
of this move of God over here. They have also been, they did me much harm. Look at Ode to Whelp at the top of online fellowship. But I represent many decades of many people going through the same thing in all these different states. I also hate to say it, but I put also not just an Alexander the Coppersmith name. I believe it's also a Demas name. In 2000, before I came to North Carolina and South Carolina, escaped the diaspora, <laughs> escaped my deportation of the deep, deep South, I was very concerned for our, the future of our nation. I didn't know COVID would happen. I didn't know God would shut down the nation and the church. And when it happened, I thought, man, that was needed. He's rebooting. He's reclaiming his church. It's not their church or our church. It's his church. Churches. But I'd gotten the picture of Demas. I gave a word of the Lord. It's called the Demasization of America. What is Demas? Demas was a young man who was selected to be on Paul's apostolic ministry team, which is a, in hindsight, especially a, a mega honor. This guy must have been gifted. All right. But Demas was bored. Demas didn't get enough pay. Demas didn't like it. He didn't value it, because, or Paul, because he ended up leaving to go to Thessalonica. I always picture that's a beach area. I think he's probably investing in timeshares to make more money, <laughs> which is the basic thing. So Paul said there is Demas left us because he, he valued the things of this world more, and that is also equal in ministry. Maybe the Apostle Paul was distanced by the first 12 apostles who were mentored by Jesus, let's say, minus Judas, Adam, Matthias. He was not wanted or valued by the first 12 apostles mentored by Jesus. He was not their choice. He tried to meet with, I think, Paul, Peter, and Barnabas for two weeks. It didn't go well. So he was given the left foot of fellowship. He went to Samaria, Damascus, where Syria, excuse me, where he lived for 14 years, 13, 14 years, and got the revelation of the Lord. So his ostr being ostracized and not wanted, vilified, only helped him turn to God. He didn't have a person. It says, Paul said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. I don't need to depend on anybody. I can hear God. Apostle Paul was a Galatians 1, 1 and 2 like myself. Apostle Paul, for all you theologians who are legalists and critics, unjust critics, you really have no clue about your Bible. You don't know your Bible. Galatians, 6, Galatians 1, 1 and 2 says, Paul tells the Galatians leaders, he says, I am an apostle sent out by God, not by any one person or any one group. He wasn't under anybody. He didn't. Cover, he wasn't over anybody. He wasn't under anybody. Sent by God. He was also a servant leader, not a capital A famous apostle, but an apostle like Paul wrote about, like I identify with. He was the off scaring of the world, and this ministry is the off scaring of the celebrity TV world, and we're happy. We really are. We've been there, but Paul said, "I and the brothers." Certainly, there were mothers and leaders with him. He didn't say, I am over them, I own them, I rule them. Mm -mm. He wasn't a Nicolaitan. Instead, he said, I am the brothers that are with me. I am with you as a co-laborer. Everyone's equal, just there are maturity differences, call differences, seasoning differences, and all that. So I believe that we must go back. 
we now want to go back and research what we're doing, why we're doing it, what we're calling ministry, Christianity, Christ following, being born again. you got to pay a price to do this. This is not easy. It is not easy. Being legalistic is easy. Easier. Why? Because you get to throw your power and kick people out and accuse them without wasting your energy to confront them and love them and relate to them. No, no. You just get to do your way. You say, you know, out with their heads. Kick them out. That's a legalist. Don't relate them. Don't show love. That's too costly. So legalism has its real big drawbacks, and it is not relationship-friendly. That's why I teach on it. That's why I instruct on all these things. If you go back to every root of anything I mention, it affects relationships in Christianity in ministry. It affects the view of Christ in ministry. It affects families, accusation, toxic Christ-following, caustic criticism, unjust commentary, being a Demas, an Alexander the Coppersmith, trying to hurt, assault, accuse unfairly a fellow minister. I mean, really, what has gone on with this last move of God? What, whose move is it? Any, whose move was it? But now by the end of it, because we're out of that old move, whose move is is it anyway? Is it God's or man's? That's what we got. So what I've heard from the Lord is it's not the same old season. It's not going to be easier. It's going to be just. And that this is a move. In 2019, God gave me a word before COVID. I got a word one day, just to go and read the book of Acts, verse 2. And I thought, oh, I know what that means. The rush of a mighty wind, the book of Acts, the 120 in the upper room. I thought, all right, I'll go read it, Lord. So when I sat down to read about Acts 2, when I got to the part about the rush of a mighty wind, it turned into the words of flush. There was be a coming Holy Spirit flush of His Spirit on ministry character. It would start to flush ministry character would be ongoing some if they do not repent some of these who choose to remain the same will be missing that's what I got well that was prior to COVID and when that happened as I said just a minute ago when COVID shut everything down all I could think of was that word I thought wow God is reclaiming what needs to be his churches. He's rebooting. He has to reboot for the ego, the mercenary, the pride, the legalism, the control, really the control, the cults. He had to take back his own bride. That's it. If you come against any kind of if you're walking the walk, talking the talk, you have a pure heart, you're not against anybody, you're only for the Lord and His kingdom, you can still get it. But choose to look at their character. Choose to assess them by their fruit. Are they loving or are they just loveless? Are they a character assassinating, never want to relate to you, anti-relationship? If you are anti-relationship in this move of God, you are not acting like Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Therefore, if you're not acting like Christ, who are you going to resemble? You're going to resemble the Antichrist. He who or she who is not for me is against me. And that's how we leave it.
God is good. His mercy endures. Uh, it's good to be with the Lord. I love worshiping with his people. It's good to see the Lord and know that there's so many great people out there that are real Christians. They're not, they're victors, not victims. I feel like such a victor in this. I really do. It's been a shocking thing. The trying of your faith works patience. Oh my gosh. I guess I really, I do need patience, but God is good. His mercy endures. Let's look up for our redemption draws nigh. This is Tavo DRC signing off for now. If you need to contact me, write me at TCL leadership, TCL leadership at gmail.com. And, of course, we can always use a God-sent love offering if the Lord tells you and you feel it. It's on the front of Online Fellowship on the right, onlinefellowship.us, and it goes toward the ministry 100%. God bless you. Bye-bye.